Welcome to the Four Comic Junkies podcast, when the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hodges, and with me today, uh, returning is Jesse James. Say hi, Jesse. Hello. And uh, my brother from another mother, <laughs> Corey Ferraro. Hey, JJ. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, Corey, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself since Jesse's been here before. All right. Well, I am a teacher. I teach at Our Lady of Peace School. This is my second year teaching there. Prior to that, I was at Cathedral Prep for 15 years. I teach theology, religion. Uh, I'm married, have two wonderful children, Michael and Teresa, and a beautiful wife named Julie. And I am a huge comic book fan, particularly uh, DC Comics, and I'm excited to be on the show today. All right. Uh, today's topic is comics and mental health. The topic we're going to discuss today is the recent Joker movie, which as of this recording just premiered. And um, let's dive right into it, guys. Uh, first of all, I'll tell you there are spoilers. You know, we've seen it and we all have our opinions on it. Mostly positive. It's interesting, yeah. too, because we we saw it two nights ago, and I really haven't talked to you about it. So yeah. everything we say will be for the first time. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, we, we all just – I think we all needed to process it. <coughs> it's a very um, – A very heavy movie. It is. Uh, sure. So let's, let's start with overall thoughts. Um, like, Corey, overall thoughts with the film. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was definitely hesitant – about you know the the director Todd Phillips uh, going on record as saying that it wasn't going to tie in really that much to the comics and so I was wondering what kind of license he was going to take in how it was going to be presented but I felt that it was even though it was kind of detached from you know Bruce Wayne although spoiler alert he is in it briefly mm-hmm. um, and it was really kind of a standalone movie like it really didn't other than throwing out a couple names like Arkham Hospital I mean really Gotham City could have been New York in the movie mm-hmm. um, but despite all of that it really kind of being removed from the the comics I really enjoyed it I thought Joaquin Phoenix that's right how you say it? Uh, Joaquin Joaquin excuse me Joaquin Phoenix I thought his portrayal of the Joker was very very solid the guy's an amazing actor I thought um, the way it was presented, you know, his kind of descent into madness, very gradual, wasn't rushed, kind of a slow burn. And uh, there were definite parts that gave me chills and uh, just really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. Especially like the last half hour I thought was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jesse, what about you? Overall thoughts? Uh, Overall, just highly enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Kind of echoing what Corey said. You definitely... It did such a good – I think it accomplished what it set out to do, to be this kind of standalone movie where you kind of see the Joker before the Joker, right. which, as everyone knows, is uh, something not usually addressed, Right. which people usually like. They like the mm-hmm. fact that, oh, you don't know who he is, where he came from. And so the director taking a crack at it um, – yeah, it's pretty believable that he uh, <laughs> yeah. ends up where he does. Yeah, um, and I, as far as my overall thoughts, I, I'd have to say that from the two sides of the coin here, where you think about it in the real world sense, which is what you know, which I'm sure we'll get into. A lot of people are nervous about the film, and understandably, um, I, from the comic book side of it, my comic book brain, I I left there thinking that that was the joker mm-hmm. it, it was i i i it's like i i can say i enjoyed the film but it's a it's weird to say that mm-hmm. you yeah. know yeah. It, because it's it's so uncomfortable i thought the same thing yeah, i was definitely. like oh i like this really dark part yeah uh is that bad actually there's there's a scene that i thought was very one of the scenes i, I thought was hilarious was um, when he's practicing to go on the Murray Franklin show. Yeah. And I, I just sat there and I was like, you know, I don't think I can really relate to this character, but when I was a kid, I used to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to, I used to think I'm going to be a famous actor someday and I'm going to be on the tonight show with Jay Leno. Mm-hmm. And I would come out and like, you know, and be like, yeah, I'm so excited for this movie I'm doing. And, you know, just, you know, playing pretend, um, I did it yesterday, but uh, <laughs> but um, by childhood you mean twenty four hours. Ago. I mean, I mean, you know, right after the movie, I said, <laughs> yeah, pretty oh, much. Yeah, I used to do that. Um, yeah, it, but um, so the as the comic book side of it, I thought they they set up a Batman universe really well. 
um, and the Joker, you know, they never really say his age, you know, so you, I guess that you assume 30 because he says you worked for Thomas Wayne 30 years ago to his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, uh, you know, I, I think Joaquin Phoenix is like 45 or something in real life. And if they do wind up making a, whoop, I think I might be off here. No, you're on. Am I on? I don't hear myself. Okay, there we go. Now I'm hearing myself. Um, if they do wind up, you know, if this movie makes a gazillion dollars and it does wind up being pretty widely embraced, you know, the age thing might have to be something they decide to kind of look look kind of around or kind of ignore a little bit if they decide to fast forward, let's say, 10, 12 years and try to tie in the new Batman movie with it, which right now they're saying they don't want to do. Right. But, I mean, really, the ending of the movie sets up yeah, I mean, it really it kind of reminded me of Empire in that the bad guys won. Yeah, and so now Gotham is like this total crappy place, and you know the idea is that uh, there's no good people anymore mm-hmm. in the city, and then you have this good person who just watched his parents die in an alley, and so if they kind of go with that, how Batman is that good person and how he turns the place around. You know, I found myself really hoping after watching it that this could be the first act of like a three act um, movie. You yeah. Know? I, that's interesting. That would be really cool. Yeah, it, it would be for sure. Um, and it's so, you know, with the, the new, DC's new black label, where they're not afraid to be a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, adult, mature, whatever you want to call it, um, they, they could echo that in the films and have an R-rated Batman, which uh, from what I read, it, it took Todd Phillips like a year to convince Warner Brothers to make this movie R. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think it's, I think it's better for it because I've heard, I've read stories of people taking their kids to go see it. And I was like, I don't think I'd want my kid to see this until their 30th birthday. Like- yeah, my son's 12 and I let him read comics, but I, to be honest, I've only let him read The Flash, Green Lantern, and Shazam. He's like, I want to read Batman. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you a few more years and then you'll be able to read Batman. Well, the way Tom King writes it, it's basically a picture book. So yeah, pretty much. not Tom King. I'd, I'd show him the good stuff like Grant Morrison. Oh yeah. You know, like, yeah. Um, it, it, Scott Snyder. Oh, of course. You know, and, and I think that what's what's unsettling about the movie is is that it does feel real mm-hmm. is is that you could believe this person would you know get just you know at, at a certain point just says screw it i'm mm-hmm. you know yeah. i'm taking you know you, you get what you effing deserve is what he says at you know at, mm-hmm. at one point in the movie um and it's I'm like I, I feel like I practiced everything I wanted to say, and now I'm blanking. <laughs> but but it you know you you get you get the sense that yeah like y- you understand it because it feels real. And I think that what what bothers me is when people are getting so into the story of well this is going to incite violence, this is going to do this, this is going to do that. And I feel like too many of them said that before even seeing the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, when the point of the movie it seemed to me was that. He didn't incite violence. He did indirectly cause it, and then he sort of embraced it. But well, he even said at that one point, he's like, "I'm not trying to be political." Yeah, you know. So he was oddly kind of uh, happy about what was happening, yeah. but he, yeah, it wasn't trying to make. He wasn't trying to make a statement, right? And I think um, most people that you know, if we want to talk about the the Aurora shooting that happened. Uh, you know, when the Dark Knight Rises came out, that guy went in saying, you know, he dyed his hair orange and said, I'm the Joker and, and killed a bunch of people. Mm. And and that's really tragic. But I don't think my personal take on this is that I don't think it's on the filmmakers or the studio to be like to to say anything about that other than to say, don't do that, you know, because it's it's art. And Joaquin Phoenix said, you know, look, bad people are going to find their inspiration anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and some might see that as like a lazy, quote unquote, lazy answer. I 100% disagree. It, that's true. Yeah, I think there, there is a lot of truth behind that. Mm-hmm. And speaking as a filmmaker, I would be, I would never want to feel like afraid to tackle a story if it's something I really like, even if there are mature themes to it, Mm -hmm. um, I would want to feel like I can have that artistic freedom. Right. Of course, not condoning people going out 
and shooting anyone for any reason. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just become a more media heavy thing where they can latch onto it and say, well, the violent movies and the violent video games are, are the number one cause for, for all these things that are happening. When in reality, I think most people understand that there's so many other variables in play. And, and the truth is in the movie, he's not necessarily watching a, a, or reading books or listening to music that's turning him against society society in his mind has turned against him Mm -hmm. you know he his therapist at one point says you know they they cut the funding they don't care about you and they don't care about me and and that scene broke my heart because all i could think was but it's it also seems like she doesn't care about him this is this is just a job to her she's there were so many i thought subtle things in the movie that kind of made you it it really set the tone like the fact and this is kind of a, a silly thing but i think it was done intentionally the garbage strike oh you know 100%. as he's walking through the cities there's just piles of garbage and trash everywhere yeah you know and so so to be surrounded by stench and flies and rotting stuff i mean mm-hmm. you know and and there were so many ambulance uh sirens and cop car sirens like in the backgrounds of different scenes yeah. and i mean everything was done intentionally to to kind of show the worst the worst parts of society, the chaos of society, things like that. Well, and also I just want to add it. If anything, when we were talking about people getting bad inspiration from the movie, Mm -hmm. um, the, the movie does such a good job of making you empathize with him because of all these bad things that happened to him. Sure. But they do say in the scene when he's on the talk show and Robert De Niro says, you know, not everyone is your version of, of these bad people. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, that is what I think as a viewer, you should still understand. Yes. You can kind of root for him in this movie, uh, as, as an Mm antihero, but you should know in, in the real world that his, his response to a lot of things that happen were really bad. And what, what, what happens in the movie is he, where this starts is those guys, is those three Wall Street guys are, you know, they're making fun of him on the subway and he takes out a gun and kills them. And it, and he does it in self-defense because they attack him for no other reason than they think he's weird and they want to beat him up because they think it's funny. And then, you know, it's... Well, it, it flips very fast where oh, it, yes. it is self-defense, and but then, he, and then it, he cha- one of them gets away and he... He chases, he chases him, him down, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and I I will say that uh, my favorite part of the movie um, is after he runs away, he finds like a public bathroom and kind of locks himself in. And uh, you see for the first time him kind of embrace that violence. And then it carries throughout the movie where he does like this kind of dance to himself yeah these qigong moments and really the the way they shot it um i thought it was just a very powerful it it really made you believe that this is how the joker was born yeah it was like like a literal dance with death Mm -hmm. and the music is is just and i just sat there like whoa like this is unsettling and and in a weird way it's like like we're talking about it's like at the comic book side of my brain was going, that's the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, you know, it's, he didn't, there's no dialogue mm-hmm. for a good, you know, three to five minutes and you're just pulled in. Yeah. And, yeah. and that speaks to a lot of Joaquin Phoenix's performance where he, he's not crying. He's not upset. And he's not even doing like it, they established early on in the movie that his laugh is, is, is painful for him. It's almost like a chronic cough or something. That was one of my favorite elements of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. You know, that there were times when he was laughing, like when um, the coworkers at the place that he was at were making fun of the little person that worked there. He's mm-hmm. laughing right along with them, but then he walks around the corner and he immediately stops. So you know it wasn't him laughing at the, the little person. It was him dealing with this tick that he had mm-hmm. of laughing. Yeah. And it's 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 tragic because you see the film, like he's he is a nice guy. He just wants to... You know, he says, you know, my mother always told me my job was to bring laughter and joy to the world. And and another scene I, I kind of, you know, related to was when he and his mother are watching the Murray Franklin show. He imagines himself in the audience and Murray brings him down, and says, you know, you know, I'm so proud of you. 
And I just, I, I, I teared up a little bit. I was like, mm. that's so sweet. Like he just, this is all he wants. And, and he just keeps making the wrong choices. You know, that yeah. his coworker says, you know, here, take this. And it's a gun in a paper bag. And he's like, I can't take this. He's like, you got to defend yourself. And then he, and then just like an idiot, he brings it to a children's hospital. Yeah, which I liked that scene too because here's this guy trying to do something legitimately good, help mm-hmm. children, you know. I, I'm definitely in the minority on this, but I like when they get into the humanity of the Joker. You know, I appreciate the kind of force of nature approach that they had like in The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger and, mm-hmm. and really in the comics. I mean, Joker should have been dead 10 times over with, with the things that have happened to him in the comics. <laughs> But, you know, there are a couple of stories, of course, The Killing Joke, mm-hmm. which the movie did tied into that, too, because he was bit, the yeah. failed stand up comic. Yep. Mm-hmm. He wasn't married in the movie, but he had a fictitious relationship with a girl that never happened in his mind and the abuse, too. You mm-hmm. know, I, I he was abused as a child by his mother's boyfriend. And I remember a few years back, I think it was when they did Forever Evil, there was a one shot um, Joker story, which had flashbacks to him being abused. I think it was by his grandmother. And uh, so I actually do like that, you know, kind of showing that human side. And I know I'm the minority on that, but, you know, I thought that and then here's a whole movie based on that, you know, I, kind of showing how this guy was created. I think there's there's some it's it's almost uh, I'd say when it comes to the Joker, less is more when it comes to that. You know, you, you don't want to know too much, you know, just enough. Yeah. And I think I can appreciate it in in a standalone story because sure. it's like, yeah. oh, let's let's kind of see what this would look like. Mm-hmm. And I think something that's really interesting is like in Batman 89 in that version, uh, he kills Bruce's parents, which is what causes Batman to be born. And that's like a really powerful device in that film where mm-hmm. um the Jack Napier creates Batman, yeah. but Batman creates Joker yeah. by pushing him in the chemicals. And it's like this, who did it first? You made mm-hmm. me, I made you. Right. Where this film, uh, it actually is with the Joker acting first, Yeah. if you think about it. But uh, to add a third layer, there's this whole uh, plot point with Thomas Wayne. Mm-hmm. And one could argue that Thomas Wayne not being a part of his life contributed to his negative upbringing, which led to Joker, which then led to Batman. So so do you guys really think that Thomas Wayne was his dad? So I was really surprised that both of you at the end were like, wow, I'm really glad that they didn't they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. And then I, and I f- from watching it, I really think that the director's goal was to make it ambiguous, where at yeah. first you're like, oh, Thomas is his dad. Bruce is his brother. That's crazy. And then he goes, talks to Thomas and Thomas is like, no, she is neurotic and she made all that up. But then in the flashback, she says, you know, Thomas made up those adoption papers. That's not what happened, which I think is a pretty strong. That, that's like what a rich person would do to get out yeah, of something that's like true. that. That's true. And the Joker has a picture of his mom and on the back it said, Love your smile, T.W. for yeah, Thomas Wayne. Right, and so I th- I think the director really tried to not say one way or the other if it did or didn't. But Thomas Wayne is supposed to be such an altruistic, pure guy. Sure. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, if it turns out that that's the, I mean, say they say they make a sequel and they come out with a definitive yes or no on whether or not Wayne is is uh, Joker's dad. I really hope he isn't. <laughs> I don't well, know. I, I, Thomas I, Wayne's like one of those untouchables in yeah. comics. I would say it would be allowed only in this sense because it is a one-off. It's right. a standalone story yeah. where we can humanize the Joker, but maybe we have to bring down the heroes. You know, yeah. it, you know, uh, Corey and I did talk about that a little bit. You know, where you were like, I don't, I don't really, I normally wouldn't like this version of Thomas Wayne, but because of this Elseworlds black label, I can, I can accept it. And and I thought about that a lot. And I, I can't remember the actor's name that played Thomas in uh, Batman Begins. But I yeah, he's a good actor. He uh, he he was on Law and Order for a long time. Um, I, I I thought he was great as Thomas Wayne. Like he just 
you could see where the goodness in Bruce came from. And I have a friend who is a huge comic book fan. He may listen to this. Uh, his name is Christoph. Hey, Christoph, if you're listening. Uh, and I remember one time we were talking about Batman versus Superman, which JJ knows my my feelings on that film. He's <laughs> not high. But um, in the beginning, when they showed that flashback, he was really bothered by the fact that Thomas went for the gun when uh, Chill was trying to, trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. And the reason was the same thing for this movie, that Thomas Wayne is like untouchable. He's good, he's pure, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I, I don't know, I, that was, honestly, looking back, that was the one element of the movie that bothered me, but probably because I'm more of a Batman purist. Uh, you mean a Joker or Batman Superman? Uh, no, a lot bothered me in Batman Superman. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just mean the but, Thomas uh, part. In, in the Thomas part in Joker, sorry. Oh, I okay. Been clear on uh, well, yeah, I, I actually didn't like it either. You, it, you didn't? It, oh. <laughs> I, I think it worked, but it's not the the Thomas I like. Exactly. Well, you know? let me well let me uh, let me pu- you know play you know devil's advocate for the movie then, Corey. Somebody's pointing a gun at your son. Are you just gonna stand there? Well, I mean, I'm not Thomas Wayne. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you I, know, I, I don't see Michael becoming Batman in the but. mythos. <laughs> nah, he, he just he need to get a little jacked. Um, <laughs> he's a stick, basically. Right now. Um, you know, I mean, like when you look at Batman Begins, you know, mm-hmm. he just tried to talk the guy down. I believe yeah. that is still the current current continuity. You know, mm-hmm. they've had a lot of retellings of that story. Um, I, I think that's pretty. I, really, though. I think Batman vs Superman, because they were trying to paint this picture of like the more gruff older, harsher Angry Batman. Batman. Yeah. I think that's why they went that way because right before that you had the Nolan films and it was so popular. And in that version, he talks him down. So I kind of felt like when the next uh, mythos yeah. came around, they're like, okay, we need to change it up a it, little. It was also like that in, in the first episode of Gotham when, um, you know, the, the guys, you know, comes at um, Thomas and, and Martha. He, you know, he says, okay, okay, it's okay. You know, he doesn't really have much dialogue, but he's just like, take take the money and go mm-hmm. yeah. and, and get shot. Um, I, I don't know. I I did like I, I like both versions. I, I like the idea that Thomas is just going to go, no, you're not going to hurt my family. And I also like the idea of him talking him down because I see both sides of that in Batman because I I'm such a huge, you know, I've been rewatching the animated series and my friends and I, you know, we were in a group chat. And they talked about that. They uh, a friend of mine brought up. He's like, "Hey, d- you know, doesn't you know Batman doesn't always just go for the punch, right? He 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 wants to help these guys." I was like, "100 percent." Watching the animated series, which in many fans' minds is the definitive Batman, um, I there's so many times when Batman says, "I don't want to fight. <coughs> Let's talk this out," you know, mm-hmm. and. And of course, he doesn't do that really with Joker, but <laughs> um, but you know, with with a lot of the villains, you know, a lot of the very first episodes were just were stories about kids that were being kidnapped or people that were being abused. Like there's one episode where the homeless are being abducted, mm-hmm. and and Bruce takes interest in that. And I like that that and I you can see the Thomas Wayne in that that he wanted to help those people, and and so Bruce's first thought is, okay, you know, if I have to fight them, I will because I can, but. I'd prefer not to. And I think so there's definitely a lot of the Thomas Wayne. I don't there. know though, in, in a lot of other renditions, um, there the idea is that all the villains are afraid of Batman, mm-hmm. especially like the low level criminals like the thugs, where he's almost like a legend. He mm-hmm. doesn't they don't know if he's real, so they're afraid. And he often will beat people up up until where he doesn't kill them. Yeah. And I think you could say, oh, if if his father was a little rough or had that in him, you can see that he would also have that in him. Sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, we could debate that all day. (laughs) So let's say that they decide, let's say the Joker does really, really well and they decide that they're going to try to somehow continue it, Mm -hmm. including the story of Bruce. Would you think that that this version of Batman, the one that Robert Patterson is going to play, should he kill? hundred percent. No. Right. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny because I, you know, we talked about that where, you know, you, you had your thoughts on Batman Superman and you said that that bothered me right from the get go. I, I don't like that. That's not okay. And I said, you know what, in this story, I kind of get it. But then as time went on, I, I went, 
no, I'm not okay with it. My my big beef with that movie, I know we're here to talk about Joker, but <laughs> my big beef with that movie is, you know, if you want to take the Dark Knight Returns kind of angle, killing Batman, okay, but should that be the Batman of your extended universe? No, I don't think an older killing Batman should be the person that should be tied in with Man of Steel, Superman and Wonder Woman and the new Flash. Yeah, and, and again, Woman. I think they went that way to move further away from the Nolan films. Yeah, like we true. can't have. But the young, Nolan Batman was so good. It was. <laughs> and they're like, we, we can't repeat it. We have to top it. Yeah. So what's the most famous Batman story? They probably looked Dark at Knight things Returns, like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's. And you know the the look of the character was very obviously very much based on that that version. Um, but uh, but going back to to Joker, because um, otherwise you know we'll get into. Uh, I just want to about... end with Thomas. <laughs> oh sure. The, yes. Like in Joker, it I probably would like it better if he was not Joker's father. However, mm -hmm. I I think the portrayal was, or the writing rather of the character. I did not like that. Uh, he was on the talk show and he said, you know, people who haven't made something of themselves were always going to look at them as clowns. Like, it was very harsh. It was. It, it, uh... And when he punches Joker, like Joker comes to him and he's and he's basically like, well, you're my dad. And rather than explaining it to him, he like just clocks him and leaves. Yeah. And it was it was a mean Thomas. It, it frightened me. Yeah, yeah. That was the one thing I didn't like was Thomas in the movie. Um, I, I, I can, I can definitely agree with that. Um, and it, I don't know because it, it, it the whole point of it was to set up sort of a, a like a class warfare again. Yeah. Going back to like the, the these which really surprised me. What did you guys think of that? Because it, I couldn't tell if they were really trying to. Uh, speak on current events or if it was just this isolated thing in the story I, it's it's like a little bit of both isn't it because i remember reading an interview with christopher nolan after uh dark knight came out and people said and and they were saying to him you know did you were you kind of inspired by 9 11 with this like um and you know it's like the terrorist attack the the twin towers and and then um bush says well we're gonna go to war um so it's like there's an escalation to that which was very real at the time and still is really um and i think what did nolan say to that he said that the simple answer was yes that he was inspired by it but he but he's also trying to frame it in a in a film that makes it i don't know he's a little bit easier to digest as opposed to you know he's not preaching to the audience but it's it's kind of a take it for what you will, but yes, I was inspired by that, and there's truth from that in the comics that Batman shows up and then the villains, you know, yeah. become more prominent. Um, and I liked this version, so that's not a sound effect we added. There are yeah. actually I was police. sitting here thinking, <laughs> wow, that, was, that timing was kind of <laughs> interesting. Um, but. Uh, but I think that so there's a little bit so I'm sure that there is a little bit of, you know, there there is the current events plus them wanting to tell this type of story where, yeah, the the underclass or the middle class, low class, whatever you want to call them, uh, they feel ostracized and used and looked down on by the upper class. Um, I I definitely see that just the way that and not to get super duper political here but just the way trump talks it just he just doesn't he doesn't talk like a person that understands you know very much an us and them kind of thing yeah and and that's and thomas wayne is is in the movie is doing that is kind of saying well mm -hmm. you know they could they could make something of themselves but they're not and it's just such a you don't understand the struggle of it kind of thing like you're you mm -hmm. have a silver spoon you don't understand i did think it was interesting that on the talk show he says he's talking about uh, the man in the clown mask killing mm -hmm. the the Wall Street kids and says, you know, that's that was done by someone, a coward in a mask. Yeah. And then, you're, you know, his son's going to grow up to wear a mask. <laughs> we, I, I actually turned to Corey during the movie and I was like, what if Bruce watched that? And he said, I don't know, Dad, I, I, I like masks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it <laughs> um, but yeah, the, you know, and I think that there's a. 
did you guys? I don't know if you guys ever saw this, but there was a uh, a trailer before the Arkham Knight video game came out, where it's a it's a a letter that Thomas Wayne wrote to his son, and uh, uh yes, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> have you seen it, Corey? I am aware of that element of the story, but yeah. I don't think I've ever seen the trailer. Oh, it it it's uh, <clears throat> it's really powerful because it it's sort of weirdly you know uh what's the word i'm looking for uh well in it he he's it's a letter to his son to you know grow up and be strong but if you read between the lines he's literally written everything that uh bruce does as batman yeah it, really? but, but in a in a realistic way is, it, is this a move what is this it's, it's the arkham knight video game oh see i i never played that one i played city and i played origins but oh, okay, i never played okay. knight uh well the because they had that letter in the comics I remember him receiving it from Barry Allen. Well, that that was totally different. Totally different. Okay, uh, uh, but he uh, in the in this letter, he I remember what lines that start you know that stick out and it's purposeful is don't spend all your money on fancy cars. They show the Batmobile. Don't spend it on <laughs> fancy you know outfits or this That's or that. Cool. And they show the bat suit. Mm-hmm. And it's I'll have and, to check it out on YouTube. That's yeah, cool. yeah. And you know, it's like you know spend your money to do good and it's like it's it's weirdly like he's honoring his father and not at the same time um and you know everybody can sit here and go well it's you know bruce wayne should spend his money on helping the poor (laughs) um when which he does he he does um Mm -hmm. but he also uses it to you know beat up criminals you know (laughs) buy tech to beat up criminals yeah (laughs) yeah exactly you know who wouldn't um it's sort of like the the Batman Who Laughs comic book. Did you you know? Did you read that? Oh one? yeah, yeah. That there's there's a lot of that in there where the Batman Who Laughs is uh, a Bruce Wayne from an alternate dimension that's been infected by the Joker and essentially becomes a Joker Batman hybrid. So he's like apex predator Batman, and he's the best there is at what he does. Yeah, and he taunts Batman by bringing in all these different Bruce Waynes from other universes and saying. You know, this look, look, you're the worst one because all these other guys used their money and helped the city and you're using your money and you're hurting the city. And he's really just making fun of him and getting to the nitty gritty of it. And and that and that I read that and I was just like, ow. Yeah, that was a great series. <laughs> yeah, that that hurts watching that <laughs> or reading that. Um but again, okay. So going back to Joker, we keep getting. <laughs> well, no, we're still talking. Well, it's, it's so it's so it's all related. It, yep. it is. It, it's is. so it's so easy to get into all that. You know, I, we're and that's that's the fun thing about this is that we're all fans of it. So we you know we all love talking about it anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think with with Joker, you know, it it's it was so it was so sweet watching him at first. And one of my favorite scenes was him in the children's hospital when he's dancing and you know if you're happy and you know what kind of hands and i like that scene too. and it's so sweet you can tell the kids are really into it and and he's so happy to be there and then he drops the gun you know like i said earlier he keeps making terrible decisions and and he kind of tries to play it off he just goes Shh, you know and, and the <laughs> um and some of the kids laugh and then and then he gets in trouble for it because as soon as the gun fell out i was like he's done this is it he's gonna be a joker now uh, <laughs> um and it's just so uh you know, it, and it's heartbreaking. And then, as the movie goes on, the you just like like it should be with Joker. It you're uncomfortable because mm-hmm. wow, this guy is just well. From a storytelling yeah. standpoint, um, it's it's deliberate too. Yeah, one of the uh, writers I know that uh, talks about screenwriting and things like that is, is to constantly find ways to uh, create tension and then ease it. And then escalate it so it's like this mm-hmm. this nice rhythm where um, you have to have good things happen to him and then bad things happen to him mm-hmm. for for not just like tragic stories but you know dramas in general um, is is to keep pushing and pulling and so in a story where you have to depict nothing bad nothing but bad things happening to this person they still found a way to give him these little wins. And it was all in the form of these visions in his mind that weren't actually happening, yeah. which is brilliant because then at the end of it, the only solace he had were 
you know, fantasies he built up in his mind right. where he thinks he had a relationship with this girl and, mm-hmm. and he didn't. And uh, <laughs> it was a really smart way to just flip everything. Yeah. And yeah. leave him with nothing but despair. And, and that's what, and that to me is what, is what hurts when people talk about this movie and how they're they're afraid it's going to cause all this violence and everything. I I I just I just want to argue with them like isn't that sad that we live in a world where that's what we're afraid of as opposed to reaching out to these people and trying to help them. Yeah. We're we're just going, well, it's this movie's just going to hurt them. It's like, well, it's easy to blame a movie. The movie can't defend itself. I remember I think it was back in the 80s. You guys remember the movie Falling Down? With uh, with oh, what's his name? He was married to Catherine Zeta Jones, uh, Michael, Michael Douglas. Douglas. Yeah, it was it was kind of the same type of thing. This guy who just snapped, and uh, you should watch it sometimes. It's really really powerful. Like mm-hmm. he just starts lashing out at society for what he sees of the injustices, and then you feel bad for him, but you also see that he caused some of the things that he's going through. You should check it out sometime. Falling mm-hmm. down. It was this this movie had a very much a vibe like that. You know when you were saying things does, in his does mind. He, um... Does he have like a lot of love interests in that movie? He has a ex-wife, but she has a very small role to play. Okay. Yeah. If, again, it's probably been about two and a half decades since I've seen <laughs> it, but uh, I think I think so. Um, when you were going back to things not being real, I saw a, a thing online, you know, just a kind of a fan theory that the entire movie was in his mind mm-hmm. because they show a, a brief flashback, very brief, to him hitting his head on the glass in the in the asylum. Um, you know, they mentioned oh, him yeah, being, being in an asylum. And then uh, then at the very end, of course, he's in that room with that woman who bears a, a, a resemblance to the woman that he was going to see, the social worker. Sure. Um, which actually led to, honestly, and <laughs> this is probably bad for me to admit, but my favorite part of the whole movie is when he walks out of the room with the blood on his shoes and the orderlies yeah. chase him around the hospital. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's Joker. It, it, you know, it's it's. You know, but it, I, I personally hope that that theory is not true, that the entire the entire thing was in his mind. I don't know what you guys think of that, but I don't uh, like that idea. Well, it being art and being standalone as it is, we can take it. It would be such way. a Joker move, <laughs> you know. Yeah. The, the line, the famous line he has, where I I can't remember my past, so I just make up new ones. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, if I have a past, I prefer it to be multiple choice. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and and that uh, and the th- the thing that I think. But they could do it all over for part two. <laughs> if, they, if they do a part something two. new. Well, the the thing that you know, I I thought about a lot is like you know the unset the unsettling nature of the movie is obviously very deliberate, but the the where that comes into play is that you know you feel like it is hopeless at the end um, because the you know as Corey said the villain wins. Um, it, but the sad thing about that, I I thought about that a lot. I was like you know. I don't think people would say that about the movie, that if it kind of ended with Bruce Wayne, kind of, you just get the sense that, okay, like, you know, like that old comic strip where he's just like, I swear to, you know, avenge my parents' death or, you know, whatever. Um, because, you know, you do feel like there's no hope in the movie, um, which is is deliberate on the on the filmmakers. Yeah, but part. you know he's coming when they show. Oh, yeah, they sh- they show his him. parents going down. Yeah, you, you know he's coming. Yeah, as soon as they showed the the theater, it's a Zorro, the, yeah. ga- the gay yeah. blade. I was like, here it is, it's happening. I actually, <laughs> about halfway through, I was like, this is probably going to end with Joker killing Bruce's parents. Yeah, and I, thought, I really thought it was going to happen. I thought he was going to be responsible. Yeah, I, I guess. Uh, I guess there was controversy in with Batman '89 saying that Jack Napier was the one that killed his parents. Um, and I don't know when I watched it as a kid, I was like, okay. <laughs> like it, it never bothered me as a kid. Um, I've always been okay with changes in continuity for the movie's sake, as long as the characters stay true to who they are. Yeah, you know, like if you want to make like Ledger, for example, he carved the the um, the smile into his face versus falling in a vat of acid. That didn't bother me because Ledger was the perfect Joker. He was, you mm-hmm. know. So I'm a, and Bane too, you know. So what if he? You know, wasn't a drug addict. You know, he just had a, a respirator on his face. You know what I mean? Because of the injuries in prison, mm-hmm. he was still an awesome Bane. So yeah, I'm cool with continuity changes as long as the characterization stays the same. And and that's uh, that's what I thought about this movie. And I think Corey and I, I think you and I think a lot alike about this. I was thinking about this before we recorded. Um, I remember years ago when Green Lantern came out, mm-hmm. we were both like, "That was awesome." I don't know why people <laughs> hate this. This movie's great, and because we were such huge fans of the Jeff Johns comic. And then as the years went on, both of us kind of went, 
Yeah, it's not that great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like when you, you start dating a girl and you immediately know it's not going to work out. And you're like, no, no, no. It's, this is fine. <laughs> this is great. I, I love this. I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> JK. Um, but <laughs> but um, I, think, I, thought, I think you and I were on the same page with Joker, too. When they first announced it, I was like, that sounds stupid. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't take Joker away from Batman. That doesn't make any sense. And then as the, and I think you and I said, said that at one point. And then as they started to, you know, show, you know, him in the makeup and the trailers and the posters, we were like, whoa, this. Yeah. This the first, actually... the first trailer really sold me on it. Yeah. It, it blew me out of the water. Mm-hmm. I watched it like probably 10 times straight. Yeah. It, it <laughs> was, was just like, like, wow, this is going to be powerful. And it, it, cause it, it felt like Joker, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I had read theories that Joaquin Phoenix wasn't going to be, quote unquote, the real Joker, that he was going to die and inspire somebody else to be the Joker, which is kind of what happened in Gotham um, with the Jerome and Jer- Jeremiah characters. Um, but I, I'm i glad that didn't happen, that he mm-hmm. survived the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And you talking about the last scene in the movie, it's like it's such a Joker moment. And I and all I could think was like, you know, what's funny about this is that it, it is it is a Joker moment. And it also feels like. Like like Scooby Doo, where they're running in and out of. The, oh yeah, I mean, the, it was perfect. It, it was the perfect way to end the film. Just you know, so like almost because cartoony. honestly, when he showed up on the talk show, mm-hmm. I thought he was still a little bit too reserved. I felt like that should have been the moment where he was completely over the top. But then I had to remind myself, well, this is Joker being Joker for the first time, really ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if they do, and again, I know I sound like a broken record. If they do a sequel. I imagine if they fast forward 10 years, he'll be more over the top embracing the role. But that final scene was just, I mean, that's something that I would think would be right out of the comics. Yeah. You know, he comes out <laughs> leaving bloody footprints of the person he just killed in the in the room and he's yeah. running around from orderlies like Charlie Chaplin, who right. was referenced earlier in yeah. the film. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was perfect. Um, I I think my, f- my favorite, like, Joker line in it, it just, what gave me chills as a comic book fan was when he's laughing and and at the end of the movie uh she says you know you know what are you laughing and he said i just thought of a joke and she's like oh well tell me the joke and he's like no you wouldn't get it you wouldn't get it yeah it just i just i was like you know right now i'm just like oh like that's that he's the joker and and it's like sure like you know as the comic book purist in me I, i don't really have that much of the purism so to speak um i do miss the the chemicals i miss the 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 gags you know but at the same time it's like i can appreciate the story they were telling because it is still like you said uh stayed true to the joker character mm-hmm. and that's you know that's what made it for me you mm-hmm. know and we t- i remember you and i talked about that when dark knight came out was just very much like you know it they took away all the like the laughing gas and all the other classic joker gags that you think of you know um but it still felt like the Joker. Um, he did have the gas in the first scene, though, in the bank. Remember that? He put the gas container oh, in yeah, his yeah. mouth. Yeah. Well, but it didn't, like, you know. It didn't him. make him start chuckling. But right. I always thought and that And actually, kind of when he's um, sign twirling at the beginning and gets jumped, he's on the ground. And if you notice, the, the flower, flower starts to leave. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, did, I did see that. Um, yeah. And I, nice. I was just. That was a nice touch. It yeah. was a nice touch. And it's just. And you, and you, and you feel for him up until a certain point which was deliberate on the filmmaker's part um, because it just, you know, the, the re the reality of the movie, it just, it becomes so unsettling. Like I thought of that when, you know, those guys that he used to work with come and see him. And the one guy's like, Hey, you know, we got to get our story straight because the cops are talking. He's, he's got some of the makeup on and he's got the green hair stuff, but it's like, it's stained his back. It's on his underwear. And he's just, and he just looks otherworldly he looks like yeah. something out of like insidious and then or he something kills that guy much more cold-blooded yeah and and he's just and he's not and at that point he's not phased by it mm-hmm. i really thought when the little person couldn't reach the latch mm-hmm. i really thought he was going to say well now i have to kill you yeah. you know what i mean like i i thought that was going to happen which would have been kind of jokerish but that was some i think really at that point well-written dark humor yeah it, it was also jokerish to let him go <clears throat> yeah <laughs> yeah he again. He, this is rookie Joker. This yeah. is uh, still just in the beginning. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, there was a uh, a Harley Quinn comic that came out years ago that was uh, tied 
it was her origin into the actual comic books because she started in the animated series and it took place during no man's land and so it's like the joker is hanging out with his uh his henchmen and and he's like pretending to do a talk show he's like he's like hey you know whatever the guy's name is sully come talk to me for a second he's like so tell me about yourself and he's like well i got a wife and kids and you know and joker's just looking at him and then he shoots him and he's like that's enough i'm tired of this or something and it's just you <laughs> know it's written by paul dini you know he's written oh my gosh you know yeah. some of some of the he's best legend yeah some of the best joker stories created <clears throat> harley quinn um and it, it just and i always think of that like the joker you just the unpredictability of the character is what makes him so exciting and so scary um and it's funny because when they released the first picture of um, Jared Leto as the Joker and he had all the tattoos, my first thought was, that tattoo artist is dead. He killed that guy. <laughs> like he did the tattoo and he's like, do you like it? And he's like, yeah. And then he would kill the guy. Yeah. I, I don't know yeah. why, but I was just like, that's what the Joker would do. <laughs> it's like the Joker's killed for less. And, and Leto's going to show up in uh, Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn Birds of Prey? Um, if they maintain that <clears throat> continuity, yes. But I don't know because... I go back and forth with Jared Leto, where mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, his methodiness with acting is, I think, the stories I read about him, that's too much. Yeah. Like, all right, dude, you're, you're, you're in a, you're just in a movie. You're not, you know, it's one thing when you're in Dallas Buyers Club and it's like, oh, it's an Oscar contender. It's quite another when you're just playing the Joker and, you know, you want to get into that mindset, sure. You know, like Joaquin Phoenix did, but Joaquin Phoenix isn't sending, you know, dead animals to people or bullets or whatever. Yeah. It's just that's yeah. that's too much. I don't know. I know. You what do you think of Leto's Joker? I don't know. I don't know if we've ever had this <laughs> uh, conversation, Jesse. Overall, uh, I enjoyed it. I think uh, I don't think he got the best uh, material to work with. No, yeah, in Suicide not. Squad. Um, so I'd I'd be curious to see him take a real like uh the the casing that bruce has of robin like i really would love to to see what happened there yeah. with his joker yeah um which i guess unfortunately yeah the, the behind the scenes never stuff. see it yeah and i've i've i, I was te- uh speaking at a acting workshop where people were talking about method acting and uh, an article i had read uh i think nailed it where um method acting is is a real thing where you yeah. uh kind of bring your past experiences and apply it to the character you're portraying mm-hmm. but uh it's become like a hollywood fad now to just how far can i go in this character how um how much can i starve myself to get skinny to be this character um and it's become more about the media behind hmm the portrayal than the actual process because mm-hmm. um, uh, even Heath Ledger I read that he he stayed in a hotel room for like 30 or 40 days yeah and, and, he and really just worked on the voice and mm-hmm. the, the mannerisms and everything which uh, is all part of the actor's process but sure. when when you do it hoping or intending for it to become a story just so you can get uh, attention that's when you know you are you You're saying missing. actors in Hollywood crave attention? Get out of here. What are you talking about? Well, <laughs> I crave attention. But I'm not sending rats to people. No, yet. It's a slippery well, slope, cast JJ. The Joker yet. <laughs> yeah, I think it's... That's interesting. I had no, I never looked at it from that perspective. Yeah, but but cool. then I also don't know if he, if he was doing it for attention or... You know, it, it's very much what what you believe. So maybe yeah. he really did think this was helping him, it, and maybe it was for him. Yeah. But it got out, and then it just became the thing everyone talked about. He just yeah. he seems like an eccentric guy. I mean, just just seeing him in interviews and stuff. And I, you know, we don't really know him. You know, obviously. Exactly. But um, I don't know because I've read stories of like like Mike Myers when he was in Austin Powers makeup, he stayed in character. You know, yeah. and and I think, <laughs> but I think for some actors, that's just how that that is their process yeah you know, it's like i i have to be in character because you know i if i'm in the makeup if i'm in the costume um uh, i i read an interview with Stephen amell uh you know who plays green arrow he said that even if they're just shooting him from the waist up he if he's wearing uncomfortable shoes you know like like dress shoes he has to wear them because he feels more in character as oliver queen that way 
And, and that I can respect. And I understand that. I'm not really like that when I have to act because I, but then again, like I've never been cast in a thing that had like millions of dollars behind it. Yet. So. Yet. Yet. Oh, well, yeah, maybe someday. But, I mean, uh, I've heard stories about Robert De Niro and how he, you, you're not allowed to look him in the eye mm-hmm. on set. Uh, and I think you have to call him by his character names. I mean, you're not allowed to talk to him, of course, but the like the, <laughs> the one or two people who are like the director, yeah, have to like keep their head down and like give some direction. Like that's a diva thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's I, Hollywood. I remember um, our uh, our mutual friend Steve. He and I had a huge fight about Marlon Brando and how he's like. Whatever reason, part of Brando's process was never memorizing lines. They yeah. would have cue cards all over the set. Like I guess in Superman the movie, that's he, a diva. He read well, he read his lines off the baby's diaper. Didn't <laughs> when he's Jarrell. Didn't he show up that scene with him in Apocalypse Now? Didn't he just make up all those lines? Yeah, I think I remember hearing yep, that. Yeah, I, I read he that. He showed too. up super out of weight or overweight, so they had to kind of like hide him in the shadows because yeah. <laughs> he was a yeah. POW. You know, like right. he should have been skinny. So sure. he showed up overweight, didn't know any of his lines, and he just talked. And and like and Steve said, I think that's so. <laughs> cool that he does that and i was like i think that's disrespectful to the to the crew and the cast and the writers the writer especially and, and, yeah. and he was like it isn't because that's his process that's the way he does it and we went off on it and it's we're fighting about this like dude that you know we we have zero connection with so i don't even <laughs> like brando really that much as an actor um but i've only seen him in like two things mm-hmm. um you know superman one and two but <laughs> but uh you know i, I don't know and, and joaquin phoenix you know going back to joker he he you know it, when we f- you first see him shirtless in the movie i yelled out i was like oh my god yeah like, it was it was wow it was unsettling like yeah. and you said it right right away you really like, he looks like a skeleton yeah and, i could just tell from his face even before he was shirtless how gaunt he was yeah. when you look at something like um Walk the line mm-hmm. where he was Johnny Cash. Right. You know, he fills out that character. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, and even like now, he, he looks much Which is also a great movie. Walk yeah. the line. I like that movie. I've, actually, I've never seen that. I did see the parody Walk Hard with John C. Riley, which. Not as good. Yeah, not as good. Not, not the same. Well, no, but it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun movie to watch. Um, but uh, with with Joker, it's. I. You know, and and that was part of his process. Like, this is how I get into this character. And Joker's always been portrayed as really like skinny and weird looking. And and I remember, you know, people people always joke like, well, how can he keep up with Batman? You know, when Batman's been trained by like every ninja in the world or whatever. It's like there's there's just something otherworldly about yeah. the Joker. Like in that one Scott Snyder comic, I think it might have been Death of the Family where you have the inner monologue of Batman and he goes, I always forget how fast he is. Yeah. Do you remember that line? Yep. yep. Yeah, so mm-hmm. even the best trained martial artists in the world can get caught off guard by the chaotic nature of the Joker. And, and the, it, love that. And mm-hmm. Snyder, you know, he, it's funny because people, I read an interview with him where they talked about Joker or they talked about the Joker when he was, um, when he was writing him, it's like, so Batman's faced dark side, the anti-monitor. What, what scares him about the Joker, <laughs> you know? And, and Snyder was really smart about, about it. He was like, because the Joker, it's, it's like when it's this cosmic being, Batman has help with the justice league and, you know, he can fight him that fight. Or there's a, the person has a clear objective. Yeah. Where the Joker's always unpredictable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that and that terrifies him. And, you know, in the one comic uh, Endgame, you know, the Joker, he, you know, he develops his strand of uh, the Joker venom where he infects the Justice League. And and that... And, Great scene. Yeah. And that terrifies Batman. It's like he... <clears throat> he's like... He sort of was prepared for it. Like, at some point, these... the My greatest enemy, you know, this sure, quote-unquote, human person can just take over the most powerful beings on the planet and it's it's that that scene was terrifying to me reading that you know it's like and it's it's not real it's a comic book but i got so invested in the story i was like oh my god that's terrifying seeing the like superman with this big joker grin was just horrifying to look at and and then you know bringing it back to reality with this this movie it's just um when those guys come to see him in his apartment and he just, like I said before, he has just a little bit of the makeup on and the green hair. And he's just, he's, you know, he's standing in the doorway. His, his head is kind of down and he just looks 
weird. Yeah, yeah. the transformation was really well done. Yeah. I think everything, like cinematography-wise and writing, directing-wise, yeah. just solid all around. And and then when he, uh, I think one of my, when you really start to see him become the Joker is when he escapes the police that are chasing him, and and they and they're getting beat up by all the you know, the, the rioters and he just looks at them and he just starts dancing. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, you know, he's getting away with it. And I was just like, that's the joke. Yeah. There were a couple of moments where I was really blown out of the water by, by those little subtle things. Like the dancing was fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, you know, there's the scene, you know, they showed in all the trailers and stuff and, but I still loved it. Like the music choice was a little weird. I know but, what you're going to mention. The uh, stairs. When, the stairs when yeah. he's dancing on Rock the stairs. Rock and roll part two and like, da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. hey, I, I don't know about that music choice there. <laughs> but, but it's <laughs> but it's sort of, in a weird way, it fits the Joker because it's like, he's just like, okay, this is who I am now, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. the whole movie, he's just uncomfortable in his skin and he doesn't know who he is. And in that moment, he knows who he is. And Well, and he makes that comment about uh, it's so hard to try and be happy all the time yeah and then he makes the other comment where all he has is negative thoughts so he just kind of embraces it yeah and you know and and there's you know with all the controversies surrounding the film you know it's you know here's here's a guy that's that's suffering and and needs help and society kind of you know pushes him to the side and and everybody's like you know well this movie's going to inspire people blah 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 it's like Shouldn't it inspire us to not push these people aside, to not cut funding for these things like they do in the movie? Like, shouldn't it inspire us to go, okay, you know, let's let's help this person, you know? He's Well, and again, not to get political, but the current debate about gun control, you know, people are talking about limiting the gun laws and, and making mandatory background checks and things like that, mm-hmm. especially on private sales. But also, you know, this is raising an awareness of do we properly identify and take active steps to help those who are mentally you know ill that Mm. need help you know or do they just get kind of forgotten about yeah you know so i think going back i think we talked about this like a half hour ago but (laughs) i think that was definitely intentional to to definitely get a little topical Mm. in that moment yeah um and the it's i don't know I go, uh, <laughs> I go back and forth a little bit because it's like I, I want – because the movie does end on kind of a hopeless note versus, you know, the – you know, you, sure, you know, we know in our minds that Batman's going to come and – I don't see. think it was hopeless. It, it ends kind of lighter, which was an interesting choice, but it's – because it is such a well-known character – you know where it's going. You know yeah. where it's going. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to see it go there. I want to see how they do it. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say no. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'd go see it opening night. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I might complain about it, but, you know, I'll be there. But no, but I, I agree. I would love, I, I, I would be open to uh, a sequel uh, or some, some sort of continuation. I don't think it's going to be Robert Pattinson's Batman. That's going to be something else, which I am very excited about. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen any of his movies other than Twilight, which I hate, but um, I'm willing to give him a shot because I've read, you know, that his performances since the Twilight movies have been stellar. Yeah, I recently saw him in this movie High Life. Mm-hmm. He was really good in that. Yeah, there's, I feel like every time they cast anybody for a Batman movie, there's outcry. Oh, Ledger, he's a, you know, a heartthrob. He'll never play a good Joker. Yeah. And there you go. Yeah, you know? right. So exactly. it, it goes people back, love to complain and, and they see the finished product. And, it go, you know, it goes back to Keaton, you know, yeah. like he, he was he got flack for yep. it. Um, it. It's it's just every time. I don't know. And it just speaks to the passion of the Batman fan base, I guess. It's true. Um, which is a good thing, but it also can be a toxic thing. Yes. <laughs> but I think, you know. I wanted to wait until the mo- this movie came out to really have an opinion on it. It's like, sure, I was excited. I wanted to know where it was going. But now I can say I saw it. I enjoyed it. I was very uncomfortable during it. But I recognized that that was the point. You know, mm-hmm. the movie wasn't meant to be, you know, this like happy-go-lucky, fun Mark Hamill Joker. Or that a good good triumphs over evil. Right. and And that's, you know... And there's a reality to that and that that people get nervous about that. Well, it's a comic book movie. It, it shouldn't do that. It's like, 
No, it should tell the story it needs to tell. And and I think they succeeded in that. Sure. Um, all right, gentlemen, we are going to wrap up here. Any final thoughts on Joker? Go see it. Go see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. You know, nitpicking on the Thomas Wayne thing, but overall phenomenal film. Yeah. And I think it should raise awareness for mental health. And, you know, if you know, if you're out there, if you are suffering, you know, please, please get help. You know, there there's always options for you. Um, we don't. You know, like Batman says in Killing Joke, you don't need to be alone. You know, you don't need you don't need to be on the edge. Um, it was cool what you said too. I don't know how much time we have left, so sorry to jump in. But <laughs> what you said earlier, Jesse, about De Niro's line to him, like not everybody mm. is is reacting the way you are. I don't remember exactly what it was. I, like I honestly forgot about that line. Mm. And so, you know, there is at the end, even though you feel bad for the character throughout the film, that last sequence kind of really vilifies him in some yes. way. Yeah. Um, and reminds us that, yeah, like you were just saying, JJ, you know, yeah, the world can beat you down sometimes, but you don't have to give up like he did. Right. Yeah. Get the help you need. Exactly. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This was fun. Thanks for having me. We're going to have to do this again. For sure. Another topic. Um, so any topic, any Any topic, topic, we'll talk, we'll talk about Two-Face next time. All right. (laughs) All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Comic Junkies signing off.